Welcome back to another uh, segment, an interview uh, with our special guest today. Bob Shorty Long is an umpire, and we're going to speak to a growing problem, uh, one that has existed for quite a while, and uh, get his take on it uh, as an umpire, as a former umpire in the minor leagues, uh, briefly in the major leagues, uh, by the grace of God and the genius of Alexander Graham Bell, we are talking with our guest today, Bob Shorty Long. Bob, good uh, morning. How are you? Good morning, Steve. I'm well, and thank you very much for having me. Well, first, let's get to it. Uh, umpires. Nationwide, there's a shortage. There is concern. There is... Uh, uh, we've all... At, at one point or other, uh, heard or read stories about uh, fans in the stands that that have been behaving poorly. Uh, that, I would assume, is part of the problem why it's been tough to recruit individuals to participate in umpiring uh, baseball, softball, soccer, any sports uh, where there's a need for umpires. And and uh, it's been a growing uh, problem, not uh, to the least of which is uh, COVID has created some problems and uh, a variety of things. Let's let's speak to that, Bob. I'd like your take on where we're at with umpires and what has to happen to make that back to the positive experience that it, it used to be. Well, uh the first thing, and you, you just briefly mentioned it, I think the uh, the COVID situation had an awful lot to do with it. Uh, I think that uh, guys found out, and, and ladies found out that there were other things to do on Sunday and Saturday afternoons than go to some, uh, some field somewhere and get screamed at for two hours or something. Uh, and I, I think that had an awful lot to do with it. And, uh, you know, people just, you know, they realize, because most of us, uh, you know, who are veteran officials have done it for years. And they found out that there were other things in life that maybe they had forgotten about. That certainly, I think, had an awful lot to do with it. Uh, the other thing is being an official automatically means you have to have a thick skin uh, to do the type of job that we do. And I, I mean, I did it at the highest level that you can do it, but you've got to have a thick skin and uh, know what you're doing. And people, and especially kids, are not raised that way anymore. It's just a fact of the way things are. And uh, I think a lot of the other thing that has to do with it, too, is that uh, in baseball in particular, and in, I would say basketball as well, you have a lot of these AAU programs where parents are spending anywhere from five to $7,000 to have their kids properly instructed. And I think a lot of them are under the misguided notion that their kids going to be getting a free ride to some college wherever and not have to pay for school and have a pro career and make millions of dollars because they think their kids are the greatest things since sliced bread. I see. 
Well, uh, my understanding, I got a buddy of mine that, that umpires, uh, uh, he's a referee in, in ice hockey. And he just, uh, within the last couple of years, got involved with the uh, softball, girls softball, and, and boys baseball. And he has said that uh, money, I don't think, is, a, is an issue because, according to him, it's fairly lucrative, right? Absolutely. Uh, depending on what part of the country you're in, uh, I'll tell you, for, especially for uh, young kids, you know, in their mid to uh, late teens, it's a, it's a great part-time job to have. If you learn, you know, what you're doing and how to do it, uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to retire on it, but you can do very well as a part-time income. What about, uh, you know, the, the part of the job, and you spoke to it briefly, but uh, getting screamed at by... This is a unique job from the standpoint that that uh, uh, unlike any other job, you're guaranteed to upset some people because two different teams are uh, are involved in the in the game, two different sets of parents and and friends and and fans, and so when you make your call, it's going to go against one of those one of those teams. And and you're almost guaranteed somebody's going to be upset with you. There's, yes, there's and, and you're absolutely right. And the problem with that is most of the people that are getting upset don't know what they're talking about or why they're upset to begin with. All they know is it, it didn't go in their favor, and they're thinking with their hearts instead of their heads, and it doesn't matter to them that a guy who is out there who – so should and knows the rules, has good judgment, all those things that are needed to be a good official, knows what he's doing, but it just went against them, so they automatically think the guy's trash. Right, right. Now, the only job I can think of that's even closely related to that would be a weatherman, you know, because they... Uh, they're going to tell you what the weather is, and they're either right or they're wrong. And and I think people over the years have kind of just developed this idea that, uh, all right, the weather guy is going to tell me it's raining today, but, uh, you know, I got a 50-50 chance that they're right. And generally, you know, they're frustrated, but they don't go to the lengths of fans at a ball game because uh, – there, as we know, is uh, potentially, you know, some violent reaction. It's, it's an interesting analogy, Steve, because uh, although that's true, the weatherman is not going to have someone running up on camera and getting in his face and telling him, you know, what a dirty so-and-so he is, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's going to go on with his merry way. Right, right, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're uh, pleased to have as a guest today uh, Bob Shorty Long, an umpire, and he's speaking to the growing concern that there just aren't uh, enough umpires available and willing uh, to call the games. I've, I've seen on the news where uh, in some areas 
some maybe of the smaller uh, uh, towns and cities and whatnot that that uh, they've had to cancel uh, summer baseball or, or summer softball because they just cannot find enough umpires. What do you think? You know, it needs to happen to change that. Well, uh, I think it's it's a it's a great question. I think things have to be looked at in a more positive light because any time that you're ever going to notice an official in any sport is if something went wrong. Not about the stuff that's gone right. You know, a, a major league umpire can, you know, go three, four hundred calls without making a mistake, but the one time he misses one, depending on the scope of the situation, You'll hear about that for years to come. My good, I have a, uh, a very good friend named Jim Joyce, who is a very famous uh, major league umpire and a very good major league umpire for many, many years. And he was the umpire at first base. And that's a good me. I can't remember the, the kid's name that pitched the no-hitter for the uh, Detroit Tigers and it ended up going by the wayside on an extremely close call and Jimmy came out, he admitted that afterwards that he had missed the call, he was very upset by it, but the the only time, if I ever say the name Jim Joyce to anybody, that's the first thing they remember. So every, anything that's a mistake is what is is shadowing umpires, never the, the rest of their career or the great calls that they've made or uh, we're involved in, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, may not be able to tell you the, uh, back in the 2004 world series when Alex Rodriguez slapped the ball out of Bronson Arroyo's glove running the first base who the home plate umpire was that, uh, overturned that and made the, and called him out for interference. And that was no, none other than Joe West one of the most famous umpires of all. Right? So, I remember uh, when I was younger that uh, our Little League uh, situation in my hometown, uh, they would end up calling a person out of the stands, yes. you know, at, at game time because they didn't have anybody to umpire the game. And there were a couple of times when that role uh, fell to me where I was asked, and I came, I came out and and umpired. And one, one time, uh, I was behind the plate, and my next door neighbor, a younger kid, was at bat, and yeah. and I I knew this kid well. Uh, like I said, he was my next door neighbor, so we played ball and we played catch. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I I got to know him and his family real well so the kid was batting and I called him out uh on a pitch that probably was uh it was a close pitch probably could have been called outside but I I rung him up and I I called him out and he was just upset as could be with me and I had to explain to him that that uh because I knew the kid well uh I didn't want people to look at me as giving him favoritism. And so that I may have been wrong, but I, I called him out, 
uh, on a pitch that that may may well have been outside, and and I wonder how much of that plays a role in some of these parents and some of these other kids that that don't want to get uh, too close to the game because they they know some of the people that are playing, and they they have that that problem where gosh, if I call this kid out, you know, these people are going to be upset with me and, and they're right in it. Uh, they're yeah, the, the, those, are, those are types of things that you cannot have entering your mind when you're umpire. And it's tough, especially on a younger kid, I understand. I have a, a great story. And, uh, my, uh, my little brother, when he was uh, 11 or 12 years old, hit a ball in the gap in a, in a Little League game and He's rounding first, he's heading for second, and the right fielder threw him out, and the umpire who happened to call him out was my father, and my brother got up with tears in his eyes, and he, he went to my father, he said, I was safe, you blah, 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 and my father threw him out of the game and sent him to the car for the rest of the day. It's my favorite ejection story. <laughs> wow. But, uh, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, those are, those are types of things that you can't have enter in your mind. The, the one thing about it is where I umpired at the, uh, especially the upper minor leagues and briefly in the big leagues, you know, that's life and death for those guys. This is their bread and butter, you know, all that. You know, the next day, whether you call that your next-door neighbor's kid out on strikes or whatever, the next day the sun came out. And four billion Chinese never knew a game was played in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't matter. Yeah. Right. I've I've gone. Uh, our guest is uh, Bob Long, uh, Shorty Long, for those that know him well, uh, former umpire in the minor leagues, uh, briefly in the major leagues. I've gone to a number of these uh, baseball fantasy camps, uh, Shorty, and yeah. and I remember. All of them well because I, I'm probably a more baseball fan than any other sport. And uh, at this particular camp, I remember Ernie Banks telling a story of uh, hitting a ball in the gap, like you just mentioned, and he slides in the second base. And the umpire, and I forget which umpire it was, I just remember it was Ernie Banks, who said the umpire. Uh, threw his thumb up like, you know, he was given the out signal, but he yelled safe. <laughs> and uh, Ernie Banks said to him, uh, and the second baseman said, well, what is it? And the umpire responded, he said, well, he said, 40,000 people saw me say you're out. You two are the only ones that heard me yell safe. Yeah. So you're out. You are out. <laughs> and I, I always got a kick out of that because it it it, uh, it 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 shows a couple of things. You know, it shows that umpires aren't always correct; that they're humans and and they're fallible. And it shows the importance of you know having forty thousand witnesses. You know. <laughs> and, and it's uh, it goes back to where any time you make a call, regardless of the sport or or the umpire, it's it's a fifty fifty chance, pretty much. 
that you're going to get it right. Well, hopefully it's a little bit better than that, but uh, because of your training and whatnot. You're right. I mean, umpires are human. They're fallible. They make mistakes. And, uh, you know, the the ones that make the fewer mistakes are the best ones that, that end up in the major leagues. Right. Let's talk a little bit about your professional background as an umpire. Walk us through, uh, I, I, I know you must have gone to the uh, Harry Wendelstadt umpire school, or, uh, and then you graduate and you're first assigned some college games, maybe, maybe then the minor leagues and then the major leagues. And, and well, at well, what happened was, uh, actually, uh, I went to the, it was the Bill Kinneman Umpire School. It was later purchased by uh, then Major League Umpire Joe Brinkman. And uh, you go through uh, six weeks of school. And uh, I went down in 1980, 1981, and uh, I did not make it my first time. I was, uh, I was only 20 years old. I was uh, very immature, and I uh, had... You know, I had had some background umpiring kids games up here in in the Northeast with, you know, in my little league and stuff. But I I certainly wasn't prepared even after that first six weeks uh, to move on. So I worked as much of baseball as I could through that year, that summer. And I worked about 250 or 300 games. And uh, I went back down to the, the same umpire school. And uh, I graduated at near the top of the class. Uh, the uh, what happens next is the top fifteen students or so from Harry Wendelstead School, and Harry was a terrific gentleman as well. And from uh, from the Joe Brinkman School, we had to go. This was back a, a long time ago now, nineteen eighty two. We had to go to an extended camp in front of all the major and minor league supervisors so they could uh, kind of get a gauge of what we were all about. After that, I was uh, I was assigned to my first spring training with the Dodgers. Uh, and what, what happens is uh, every major league team during spring training is assigned uh, so many umpires, usually around five or six. And those guys are there to work the minor league games that are happening uh, on on the uh, uh, spring training campus. Uh, I worked my way up. Uh, from there, I went to the uh, New York Penn League, which is just where it says it is. It was called a short A season, it, uh, in which we had, I think, about 75 games through the summer uh, up in the up. Uh, upstate New York and Pennsylvania area. Uh, after that year, I was promoted uh, for the next two seasons to the Florida State League, and that's called a high A League, and that's because their, uh, their season goes for 142 games. Uh, from there, I was, uh, I was, uh, it was the first time that they started using three-man umpires in the minor leagues. I was promoted up to the AA Eastern League, and uh, I was there for four years. After my uh, fourth season there, I had to go to Winterball, to the Venezuelan Winter League, 
And uh, when that was through, I was promoted to AAA. And what happened was the old American Association that the Iowa Cubs and Omaha Royals, the uh, Indianapolis Indians, Oklahoma City 89ers, all those teams in the old American Association uh, were combined with the International League, which is the Eastern Seaboard of the uh, of the country, and it was the lead runner, uh, forerunner for interleague play for the uh, American and National League. Uh, after two years of the AAA Alliance, uh, the last two years of which I was part of, uh, I was uh, I was set to stay in the. Uh, internationally because I'm from the Boston area and they kept us, you know, basically uh, geographically where you were from. Uh, and I worked there for five years after uh, after my third year there, I was, uh, uh, my contract was purchased for option, they used to call it, by the National League. And I had two full spring trainings with the National League and I got called up twice, uh, once in 1992 and once in 1993. And I had a grand total of 12 games. Not a real illustrious career, but, uh, you know, I made it the right way. I worked hard, and uh, I was very proud that I got there. And the best part was my parents got to see me umpire in Philadelphia, including my first plate job working behind home plate when Kurt Schilling was the starting pitcher. Uh, after the 1993 season, I was let go because there was a lack of attrition at the top at the major league level, and they only kept us guys around for five years in AAA. But uh, I lived close to the Pawtucket, Rhode Island area, which was then the home of the Pawtucket Red Sox, and Randy Mobley, the president of the International League, asked me if I would be interested in being an alternate in case somebody missed a flight or got hurt or had a last-minute call up to Fenway or something along that. So I continued to do it till uh, uh, 2017, and I was getting a bit long in the tooth, uh, so I stepped away from the pro circuit, and I still to this day do a lot of amateur baseball uh in the Boston area. Uh, our guest is Bob Shorty Long, uh, uh, umpire in the minor leagues, briefly in the major leagues. Uh, in, here in Des Moines, there are, uh, at one time, there were four major league umpires uh, living in Des Moines, Iowa, and that's probably uh, something that has rarely happened anywhere else. I, I've not heard of that. Uh, in particular, Tim McClellan uh, had a lengthy career in the major leagues. And he had, <clears throat> yeah, he had the uh, the notation of he was involved in Sammy Sosa's corked bat incident. He was the home plate umpire called George Brett out of the Pine Tar game. The Pine Tar game, yes, he was. Yeah, and it and it's a couple of other uh, controversial. Uh, calls in in a variety of different games in the majors. Uh, so, so the Pintar game may be the one that he's best known for. Is there anything in your whether it was minor league or major league umpiring career that that took place that 
that you were that involved in and can share with us? Well, we had we had one kind of an ugly incident, uh, ironically involving the Iowa Cubs and uh, the Omaha Royals. Uh, uh, Doug Strange was a was a pretty good little infielder for the Des Moines uh, for the Iowa Cubs, and uh, I don't know if Doug had been frustrated uh, being back and forth from the big league club. Uh, Doug overall was not a bad guy, but my partner, a fellow named Jeff Hendricks, called him out on strikes, uh, and I, I happened to be in the middle of the infield at the time, and uh, Doug went off on him on, on a third strike, and he, he headbutted Jeff in the, right across the bridge of the nose with, a, uh, with his helmet on, and the two of them ended up grasping each other around the throat. And it was uh, it was kind of a very very nasty nasty situation. Wow, what was oh, the yeah, result was, of that? Uh, I mean, I I understand that the, the player would have been ejected, but uh, but and fine. But but to, I've never seen a player uh, physically attack an umpire. What what became it? Was he suspended? I assume or or I thrown out of the league. Well, funny thing you say that. Uh, I think he was suspended by the International League, I believe, but I think the Cubs called him up a day or two later. <laughs> oh, all right. So it didn't yeah. hurt him that bad. Apparently. So, yeah. but uh, it was it was a it was a it was a tough situation, no question about it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it happened right in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, actually, it happened in Omaha, Nebraska, but. The Cubs. Mickey Kelleher was the was the manager of the Cubs. That year. a terrific manager and a, and a very fair fair man. And uh, you know, he we we all went running in to try to get settle everything down, but the two of them ended up in a in a in a clinch, and uh, it was it was an ugly it was an ugly scene. Wow! Hey, yeah, just a, just a couple minutes left, Steve. Bob Shorty Long, former uh, minor league, major league umpire, and we've been talking about a lack of participation, a lack of willingness on the part of uh, more people to become umpires and officiate games for our kids. And uh, it's a growing problem, and I know that that's the reason we we got to talk with you today, uh, Shorty, was the effort on your part to encourage more people to get involved and participate. Is there anything else you want to speak to relative to that? Or is there a place where a website or some kind of social media outlet that would allow people to gain more information and uh, learn more about umpiring in the hopes that they would uh, here soon pick up the ball and, and uh, officiate? Well, I'm, uh, you know, you can go on any, you know, go online anywhere and, and, and look up information on umpiring and officiating in general. But the, the big thing is, is that the, the ladies and gentlemen who are running these leagues, uh, whether they're athletic directors, presidents of little leagues, of women's softball leagues, or whatever, uh, hockey leagues, football, you have got to make a point to 
to be deal firmly with people that are being unruly at game sites. They have to be dealt with. And sometimes that means even calling the cops in. If you have some of these people that have to be controlled because especially if you have a younger a younger umpire out there, like I said, maybe in his late to mid teens or even early twenties and he's trying to learn the craft, uh uh, just because they have a blue and gray uniform on doesn't give you license to be screaming at them when they're trying to learn the craft. I mean, it takes, you know, after all the training I had, it took me 11 years, 10, 11 years in the minor leagues to get to the big leagues. I mean, it's a, it's a long process. And, uh, you know, you, you have to, it, it takes a lot of, practice and repetition and the important thing is for younger people that might want to get involved with the with the officiating part of it make sure that no coach or manager knows the rules better than you do you have to study it it's a craft you have to work at it and of right. course always make sure if you are going to be on the field make sure you look the part don't go out there in a shirt that's wrinkled that has no turns like the road from Boston to Dallas. Okay, make sure you look good. Look the pie and uh, be confident in what you're doing. Hey, we're out of time, Steve. Thank you so much. I know we're running low on time. We only have maybe another minute or two left. Uh, Let's wrap it up with uh, Major League Baseball is contemplating some rule changes. It makes sense to me that you're familiar with what those are. Speak a little uh, brief. Definitely necessary. Uh, I'm sorry, especially guys out of the bullpen take way too long to get back on the mound and throw the pitch. Needs to be there. As far as shifting and uh, taking that away from teams, I think that's ridiculous. All right, these are big league ball players that they're overshifting, learn to hit the ball the other way. Plain and simple. You know, you're, you're a big league player. The guy wants to shift on you. It started with Lou Boudreau doing it to Ted Williams in the 1946 or something World Series. And you know something? That's the manager's prerogative. You as a hitter have to adapt. I see. Well, those are the two main rule changes that they're talking about. So I appreciate your input with that. I know we got to let you go. Uh... Bob, uh, I sure appreciate it. I'm always eager to talk baseball, and especially with somebody that's as knowledgeable uh, and as familiar with the game as you are. We, sir, uh, thank you for your time, and we hope down the road, uh, if it's uh, appropriate, we can maybe talk again sometime. I would love to do that. I'd be more than happy to, Steve. And it was a, it was a pleasure talking to all of you and tell everybody in southwest uh, Iowa that I was asking for them. Perfect. Thanks, Bob. You're very welcome. Have a good day. You too, buddy. Thank you.